You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, located in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. We hope this message is helpful to you in your journey with God. For the live stream archive of our worship services, you can visit youtube.com slash cornerstonelebanonpa. Christian community is best lived out in face-to-face relationships with one another. We encourage you to physically participate in a local church setting within your area. Learn more about our faith community by visiting cornerstonelebanon.com. Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Um, I'm Barry. I'm one of the elders here at Cornerstone, and uh, actually, I have the privilege of serving, at least for the time being, as the chair of the elder team. And as such, the honor falls on me this year uh, to give the state of the family message for Cornerstone. This is uh, one of the rhythms of Cornerstone that that we we really kind of delight in. Together with uh, Vision Sunday in January, we do State of the Family in June. Um, this is not a traditional Sunday. It's not a normal Sunday. If you came to Cornerstone today thinking, "Oh, I'm going to get a rousing sermon," you're sadly mistaken. Although maybe I don't know. It's been a it's been a crazy week. The spirit might just take over, and who knows what happens. But um, this is our our annual rhythm of just just talking with you, the body of Christ, the family of God at Cornerstone, about what God has been doing over the past year with Cornerstone, uh, what he's doing now, and uh, what we're anticipating going forward um, as we continue to move with him. Um, This is a part of a rhythm that we follow of looking back, uh, looking at where we are now, and then anticipating forward. This was something that was introduced to us many years ago by our brother Keith Yoder, um, and it's a great rhythm to think in any terms of any family. Where have we been, where are we now, and where are we going? Um, We are people, necessarily, that are bound by time serving and ministering to a God that is not. <laughs> and so our God is able to see the life of Cornerstone and the life of each of one of us in a holistic way where the past, the present, and the future are all one to him. But to us, those that are bound by time, um, we necessarily have to consciously look back and, and attempt to look forward as best as we can. So this is our way, um, our feeble way, but it comes close to we think recognizing the mind of God as he views Cornerstone because Cornerstone views us as a family with a history. He views us as a family with a, with a, with a present, with a current, and he views us as a family uh, with a distinct past as well. You cannot see where you are now unless you are able to identify where you have been before. You cannot look to the future unless you're able to identify um, where you're sitting now. And you can't look at the past holistically and well unless you're able to identify what has brought you to where you are now and where you might go in the future. So that's what we get to do this Sunday. And I'm just really excited uh, to be with here this morning um, with the honor of sharing this state of the family. Um, So I hope you join me in this. We're going to take a journey. We're going to look back a little bit. Let's just start at looking back. And the question that we pose for Cornerstone is, what has the Lord done in us? 
And we're going to look a little further than just last year. But if we just think about last year, last year, uh, if you've been a part of Cornerstone for the last 12 months, you know that last year was what we called a sabbatical year. Uh, our our full-time, one full-time pastor at the time, Justin, went on sabbatical last year. And at last year's State of the Family Address, last year I also had the privilege of doing that, we entered into a celebration of the Lord's deliverance of Cornerstone um, from the worst impacts of the pandemic. And that family still is true. God delivered everyone in this family from the worst possible impacts of, of the pandemic. Paul, if you want to give praise, let's, let's, let's clap. Yeah. That is still true. And we, and we looked at God's mighty hand and outstretched arm as he protected us, um, not only from the things that are external, but as, as um, Brother Dennis demonstrated by throwing me across the stage, that outstretched arm is often protecting us from ourselves and from our own fear and our own pride that would stand in the way of allowing God to do what he's going to do. And looking back and thinking back on last year's State of the Family, I believe those things continue uh, to be true. Um, we also, last year, brought a new pastor of mission to Cornerstone. This is a big deal, right? We brought Pastor Peter. We brought him in to the family and into the pastoral team. This was something that we as a body and a family decided and realized in walking with God that we needed, um, we needed somebody to, to help us identify and move us on the mission that God has given us um, to that. Um, in thinking about who we are, we get to the point where we are today, but we remember those things of the past year. But like all families, we have a long history that exceeds just beyond last year as well. Um, I, I was thinking in preparation for today about all of the words that have been spoken, all of the messages, and all of the sermon series. And I've only been part of Cornerstone for about 16, 17 years, but many of those have stuck in my mind, and I've remembered a lot of them, like the chain of relationships. And they, they, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. But those words that God has given us and has shared with this family has taken us in the past from a church plant from Midway Church of the Brethren to um, what we refer to as a refugee camp where people that experienced lots of hurt and pain in the church came and found a home in this body and in this family. And then we received word many years ago that God was taking us from that refugee camp to a place of being a rooted church that is grounded that is rooted and grounded in love. And that is part of Cornerstone's story. Can't go into great detail on any of those things right now, and it wouldn't do justice to any of those messages to attempt to do that. But I am remembering that these are messages that have been spoken to this body and over this body and has brought us uh, to where we are today. But I recognize also that among you sitting here, there are many that have been here from the start Brubaker family, some of the other families have been here from the start. There's those like me and my family have been here about 15, 16 years. There's a few that have been here uh, five, six years, maybe 10. There's a few that you've only been here about a year, maybe, maybe less, uh, maybe a couple of years. And so we are now a conglomeration of this beautiful collection of God's people, all with different pasts, with different histories, with, with uh, different dreams and different hopes. And I thought it would be useful today, as part of the state of the family, to just kind of talk about some of the things that we do as a family. 
Every family is unique. My family is unique and weird in its own way. The Goshert family is unique. I would not say weird in any way. The Hershey family is unique, and I'm going to go ahead and say weird. No. Um, we, are, we are all, all families have unique characteristics that make each family who we are. And it's no different for Cornerstone. And I will go ahead and say that in a lot of ways, Cornerstone is unique and, yes, indeed, weird. <laughs> and, and for those that have engaged us, you see these things that make us who we are as Cornerstone. I just thought it would be good for us in looking back, for those that have been here for a long time, for decades, for those that have been here um, less time, for those that have just come to get to know us as a family, some of the things that we do here primarily on the Sunday morning. I'm not going to talk about theological things. Again, it wouldn't do justice to that. I'm not going to talk about our practice of the sacraments. We will have teaching um, in the future on those things because those are really, really, really important. But for those that know and love Cornerstone and are getting to know and love Cornerstone, I thought it'd be good for us to take a quick look at uh, some of the things that we do as a family, just as we gather here on Sunday morning, because this is the place where the family's expression of, of this church is, is most relevant, at least pertinent to those that engage it. So are you ready? We're going to do a little potpourri. Let's see what's first. Worship posture. Okay, so you have noticed that at Cornerstone, when we, when we worship, uh, our, our body stands. We stand when we worship. Sometimes we invite people to stand, but there's this rhythm of people just standing if they are able to do so to worship. We received teaching years ago that in Scripture, there are basically three postures of worship. There's standing, there's kneeling, and there's lying prostrate on the ground in front of God. And so we as a body have incorporated that, and that's why when we stand, we stand. And I should say these things, that because I'm not talking about sacrament and theology, I am not saying that this is the right way for the church to do it. And as we are a body of believers, we continue to grow, and we continue to listen to God, and we hope that in the course of that, God would speak to us and show us maybe a different way to do it as well. So we're not saying that you cannot worship God in any of these three postures, but this is what Cornerstone does. And we invite everyone at Cornerstone to stand. You're welcome to kneel. You are welcome to lay down on the ground as we worship as well. What's next? Call to worship. Every Sunday, in the, in the middle of the worship set, we do a call to worship. What is that about? Well, this is an intentional invitation into the space here on Cumberland Street where heaven and earth meet. That is the idea of the temple. And all of us are invited into that space where heaven and earth meet. And so we, as a body of believers, want to invite each person with all of the things that you bring from the street into this place where heaven meets earth and to engage in that worship as we minister to the Lord together. What's next? Benediction. We do a benediction every every. Sunday, and that benediction typically ends with, uh, with a statement from whoever's given the benediction to go with God, right? This is something that's been a part of Cornerstone's rhythm for a long time. Um, the go with God thing was never set in stone. It just kind of became a, a, a practice that we've adopted as a family. The benediction is literally a good word, and it's a good word used to send one another off, not just with a personal blessing, but with a purpose and a mission to take the gospel that we experienced in this place outside of these doors and to recognize that the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus is intended to interact with your life, your eventual death, and your eventual resurrection. 
That's what the benediction is for. It's a good word to say what you've heard here today. Take with you and go with God. What's next? Is this helpful to anyone? It's a good reminder? Flag waving. You see, during our worship service, we, we often have flags that are waving. What is that all about? <laughs> I don't know that I've seen it at any other church, but it's, it's been a part of Cornerstone for a long time. We at Cornerstone believe that worship should be embodied. That if you are worshiping, your, your, physical, your physical nature should be moving along with your spirit. And we've adopted the flag waving as a way for people to express that. A lot of times, you can't express in words what you can express with motion and with movement. And so we offer flag waving as an invitation for those that are looking for a way to express that physically. Um, it's also a reflection in, in the Hebrew scripture of the wave offering that the people of God would give to God. They would wave their, their, their harvest, their grains in front of God as a pleasing aroma to him. And we view the flag waving in, in the same way. It's also a way to express different things for different people. For some folks, as they wave flags, it is, it, it is an open and just joyful expression of praise to our Father. For others, it's an act of defiance against the world that wants to tear down the kingdom and destroy our joy. That's what the flag waving is. And uh, again, everyone's invited to do it. It's not a set group of people. that It's like a flag corps. Um, there's a flag here. You, you, you can come and wave one and, and physically embody that worship that we are drawn to. Plaster snow. If you look above you, This is to remind us that we're not perfect. <laughs> and so, so you can experience the blessings of God falling on you in the middle of the... Cindy, you might be right underneath uh, a blessing here that's about to come down. I'm, I'm completely kidding on this. But um, as we look forward, there may be an opportunity for Cornerstone in the coming year more to uh, maybe address some of this stuff and some of the hidden things that, that the structure of this building are necessary for. But, but we can talk about that later. That one was just for fun. These, these are all for fun. Okay, you ready? The joy box. The joy box, right? Um, the joy box? We've got this box of joy, two of them. That are that are in the in in the back of the church, and, and and this is where at least currently we collect our offerings as a body. Now, this is not to say that the joy box is the only way that we collect offering, or the only way that we should collect offering. We we have passed baskets before, and I, I imagine that we will again. I think we started doing the exclusive joy box during the pandemic, simply for, for social distancing. But there's another reason that we have it. And I think, Dennis could, could confirm or deny, but I think the joy box actually predates Cornerstone. Because I don't think anyone knows the origin of it. Do you? No, he doesn't know. It predates Cornerstone. But there's, there's another meaning to having the place of offering at the back. And that's an opportunity for you in the quiet of the space of thankfulness in your heart for what God has given you, to physically move and show that thankfulness, to purposefully and willing, willingly go to give your offerings to God back a little bit of what he's done for you. We may shift again, but we will always, always have the joy box. Oh, well, that's not a part of our practice, Derek, but thank you, yeah. Toby and the silly string, yep. Yeah. All right.
the word of the Lord, thanks be to God. You'll notice at Cornerstone, whenever we read scripture, the reader will say the word of the Lord and the body is invited to respond with thanks be to God. What is this? Um, This is a beautiful practice that we do at Cornerstone to remind us that the scripture we read, whether it's easy or hard, whether it's beautiful or perhaps harsh and even ugly, is all from the Lord, that he has spoken to his people, that it is a word to be read, to be heard, to be used in teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness. And the response, thanks be to God, is for our family to acknowledge that whatever that word must do to us, and it must do something to us, we are grateful to have a God that speaks to us and desires to be heard. So that's why we say that. That's why we say that. Even if it's Acts 1.8, with the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas fell on the field, fell headlong in the field, his intestines spilled out. Thanks be to God. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. It's true. This is, this, we are thankful for the word that God has given us. And he invites us to engage it. Art. You'll see in our sanctuary, it's not as much as it used to be in, in days past, but we have art all throughout our church. We have art in the sanctuary, we have art in the office, we have art through the walls. Art that we have acquired, art that the people within our body have produced. Um, this is a, a very important expression of the people of Cornerstone. We believe that we are made in the image of God, and that one of the significant components of this is that we have the ability to create beauty as a reflection of his creative nature. That this too is an act of worship. Doing art is an act of worship. Creating beauty is an act of worship that we can and should offer to God. There's much meaning found in the art within this building, both to the person that created it and to those that view it. And uh, this is something that we have been able to bless other churches um, that we are connected with as well. So we, we prize and cherish the art and beauty within our church. All right. Children in worship. You'll notice on Sunday morning, our children are with us. And you'll notice those children are often waving flags. They're sometimes dancing. They're even running. Sometimes they're yelling. Yeah? We believe that the children are equal partners in this family that they are not people to necessarily be put aside, although we send them to class because we talk about adult things. We talk about grown-up things, and, and they need to engage the Word in a way that engages them as well. But they also need to engage worship in a way that is meaningful to them as well. And so we invite them to partake in worship. Of course we do so with the admonition that parents manage that well. Because we do know that we are called to care for one another. But we love that our kids are in our worship service with us, worshiping. And I would just say that their expressions of worship are examples for us as adults as well. When Jesus says, let the little children come to me, it's because they, their heart is closer to the kingdom a lot of times than ours is. And so there's much to be learned from watching our children as they play and worship together. And I think this may be the last, the doxology. We sing the doxology on occasion. And this is an expression of praise that connects us as a body to one another with a common refrain that we all know or will come to know over time. It's also of an expression of praise that connects us to the broader universal church of Christ Jesus, both historically and geographically. The doxology is sung everywhere. And it has been sung for much of the history of the Church of Christ. 
And it's in recognition that we are both simultaneously special and not in any way better than others that came before us or live somewhere where we do not live or will come after us. We worship where we are in creation and where we are in time in the same way that the rest of the body of Christ does that. And the doxology is a beautiful expression of our connection to that. So in looking back at Cornerstone, just at those things, and I hope they're helpful. There's more. There's more. There was something that happened today just in worship that, and I forget what it was, but I was like, oh, I should have put that in there too. Oh, I should have put that in there too. But these are things that make us who we are. We are unique. We are special. We're not so unique and so special that we have the right way to do things, but this is the rhythm for our family. So in reflecting back, For this state of the family, we can say that Cornerstone is indeed rooted. We are who we are. We have roots in worship and service to the Lord. Now looking at the present, where are we now? What is the Lord doing in us today? Well, first of all, from a practical, and there are two things here. There are two perspectives. There's the practical and the spiritual perspective of where I believe God has us today. The practical perspective is a really good one, and the spiritual one is as well. But from a practical perspective, I think one of the most important things that we are at right now as a cornerstone family is that we now have a full pastoral staff. We have a pastor of mission. We have a pastor of liturgy in Justin. We have two pastors of care in Jim and Joy. We have an elder team that fills in part of that shepherding and care role as well. And we have a connection to an apostolic oversight team in Keith Yoder and Tim Deering. This is really important. I want to share with you out of Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Church, This is my perspective. This is not the perspective of the elders or the staff. But from my perspective, Cornerstone has always attempted to staff our leadership from that Ephesians 4 five-fold ministry perspective. And from my perspective, Cornerstone has never been in a healthier place from that standpoint. In my perspective, we have the apostle. We have the evangelists. We have the pastors. We have the teachers. The apostle is our apostolic oversight team. Our evangelist is Pastor Peter with his mission work. Our shepherds, the, the, the care, that is our pastors of care and our elders as well, and our teacher, our pastor of liturgy. This is something that we did not actively seek out to do, but it's something that God did. God brought these talented, wonderful devoted, dedicated people to this body to serve and to equip the saints. So in that way, Cornerstone, we are equipped. That is one significant, significant thing that has happened at Cornerstone in the past year. Another thing, programming. For a long time, in looking back, it was a point of pride for Cornerstone that we did not program, <laughs> right? It was, it, was, it was for Cornerstone an ideal that our connections would happen organically, 
that those organic connections would build the body of Christ. And I am not denigrating that. That was a beautiful thing for the time of Cornerstone where she was. And without that time of, or, of organic growth, we would never have been or never have gotten to where we are now. It was very good. Uh, but that said, as we have matured as a body, Cornerstone, we are now programming. <laughs> We're almost like a real church. We, we, have, we have programs, right? Um, just recently, we started connect groups. Pastor Peter invited us and formed these connect groups. And I don't want to put words in his mouth. Uh, Peter is right now getting ready for his son's wedding, and he's got family coming in. And, and so they're extremely busy, and, and, and we released Peter from being here this Sunday. But Peter um, brought these connect groups to us. They're groups of two to three. One of you has four. Group, groups to Cornerstone for us to connect meaningfully with one another. And without putting words in Peter's mouth, I do want to say that he is thrilled. I think he said to us at the staff lunch last week that at most churches that he's seen this done, the goal is to have five connect groups. The goal is to have five. Anyone know how many we have, Cornerstone? Sixteen. This is awesome. Yes, Paul, thank you. Yeah. We have 16 connect groups. Cornerstone is connecting with one another. We are in the process of connecting with one another. We have a thriving marriages team, and we haven't had the full um, formal introduction to it, but, but Pastor Jim, and he's got a team with, with uh, Jason and Christy and some others that are doing this great work to help develop our marriages and to help, um, help our marriages thrive. That's awesome. We have children's ministry that's happening right now. We have classrooms that are fully staffed with teachers that are dedicated to sharing the word of God with our kids. We have Amplify and Resound for our teenagers. Cornerstone, I want to tell you that our teens and our young adults have never, ever been better cared for than they are right now. Angie and the work that she's doing is really seeking after the hearts of these young people, and we've never had kids in better place than they are now. We've just started a special needs program because we heard God say that those with special needs should be welcomed here. And we're forming buddy teams where we can do that. We can be the body of Christ to those people that need that connection as well. This coming year, we are going to be implementing a new deacon structure. For a while, we've not had deacons that have been actively serving because we wanted to take a more holistic and theological approach at forming those deacons. This year, we're going to be um, establishing that deacon team as well. There's so much more that we're doing. There's so much more that's happening at Cornerstone. But we are equipped and we are currently connecting. And this is an exciting time to be part of this body. So Cornerstone, I would say... In looking at the present, we can say that Cornerstone is grounded. We are secure. We are grounded in where we are. So what is God doing with this grounded family? <clears throat> There's two things that I wanted to at least touch on very briefly, if I can. Um, from a spiritual perspective, I, I, I want to acknowledge that in the past two weeks, something has happened among the young men at Cornerstone. Within the span of seven days, three of our young men were involved in car accidents that were fairly serious. Within seven days, first Jared, then I got the call Wednesday morning at 6.30, Isaac had been in an accident, and then Ryan and Bernard that night was in an accident. Um, and then we've just found out last night that Charlie Wensler was in an accident at work. 
where a very serious incident occurred. In all three of those accidents, or all four of those accidents, these young men could have been seriously hurt or worse. Something was happening here at Cornerstone. I don't know what it was. And I've been asking this question for the last week and a half. What's going on? What's going on? Um, What is the enemy trying to do in this situation? What is God trying to do in this situation? Regarding the enemy and a possible spiritual attack and the question as to whether those men or our men or our church are under a spiritual attack, Cornerstone, I honestly don't know. I know that the enemy wants nothing more than to steal, kill, and destroy. Was this a concerted attack? I don't have clarity. What I do know, if it was an attack, it failed, church. Praise God. God. Our sons are physically okay. All four of them are okay. Two of them certainly shouldn't be. Two of them were in serious risk of being hurt, and all four of them are okay. While some material things were destroyed, the enemy failed to kill. And this is genuinely significant. That said, folks, the fight remains. I can tell you within our house, (laughs) there has been a lot of pain this week. Because the enemy still attempts to steal. And that comes in pilfering. And he's trying to pilfer the joy from perhaps our young men, but also perhaps from the church itself. Olivia shared with me an observation the other day that it's not insignificant that each of these young men may be on the cusp of something big. One is about to enter his senior year. Two are are about to, well, one is about to enter his freshman year of college. Another is embarking on an exciting career that has educational opportunities. Another is finding his way being grounded in the faith, and he's got a family of his own. It's not insignificant that these young men were on the cusp of something. And I believe that these young men are likely on the cusp of something even greater. And I believe that that's true for all of the young men at this church all of the young men at Cornerstone. I believe if there's a word in this for for us, it is specifically for the young men at Cornerstone. And young men, I want you to look at me right now. I want you to understand that if anything is proven by the events of the past week, it's that your life is precious to God. That you are cherished by him. That he has a hope and a future for all of you and, and that's for the young women as well, but I want, I want that to be said over the young men. This world wants to tell you men something about yourself that isn't true, that you don't matter, that you're the problem, and those are lies. Those are lies. And I have a greater blessing to give for you at some point, but I want you to hear that, young men. God has a hope for you, and he loves you desperately. That is also for Cornerstone, though. Because if this is a prophetic image at all, it is a prophetic image for Cornerstone as well. And that statement that we can receive from the events of the past two weeks is that Cornerstone, we are guarded, we are protected, and we are cherished. And that is something very important to rejoice in. The second thing that I wanted to share about what God is doing spiritually with us right now is something that Peter brought in a message a few weeks ago about the Holy Spirit of God. And he said something to me. He said something to me. Yeah, he was the, I was the only one that he was talking to. Um, he said something that I received personally 
about the Spirit of God that I had never considered before. And Peter said that the Holy Spirit is the breath of God, the ruach of God, that when you inhale, you take in the Spirit, and that inhalation is a way to get us ready to move. Just like you do any time you physically move, you must take a breath. That breath must give oxygen to your veins and to your blood. And it's only with that breath that we are able to move. Cornerstone, I want you to understand that I believe that God is calling us to inhale deeply right now of his spirit because something is coming. (laughs) We are about ready to move. We are about ready to engage in something great, something vast. As you're sitting there right now, I want you to breathe deeply as if you are about to stand up. I don't want you to stand up, but I want you to breathe deeply as if you're about to. Ready? Inhale. Exhale, feel that anticipation of wanting to rise, that anticipation of wanting to get up and move. Let's do it one more time. Inhale. Exhale. That, I think, is what God is doing through the Holy Spirit at Cornerstone right now. He is calling us to inhale deeply of his ruach, the Spirit of God, because something great is coming. Last year was a year of rest, maybe not restful for everybody, But last year was a year for rest. I think God is calling us to a year of movement. How am I doing on time, Justin? All right, all right. I want to do this thing. Okay. I want you to breathe in when I tell you to. And if you're able, I would like for you to stand up. Okay, ready? Inhale. Exhale and stand. All right. So about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I don't know. Long time ago. I had the privilege of serving in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And I was a huddle leader at football camps and sports camps and where all of the college athletes would get together and we would, we would share with our kids, our students, um, the word of God, the gospel. And one year we had this um, Bible verse. And we were trying to figure out a way to get these guys to remember the Bible verse. And it was Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. This is out of the FCA huddle leader version. You won't find it specifically. But this is how we remembered it, okay? Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise men, making the most of your time because the days are evil. We wanted to figure out a way to teach this to our, to our athletes, our student athletes, in a way that they would remember. And we thought sign language would be great. Who knows sign language? None of us. So... We decided to make it up, and I want you to move as we do this, okay? So this is the sign language for Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 that we came up with. Be, like a bumblebee, be careful. Okay, this is a little culturally insensitive, and I'm sorry, but this was 1993. How, like, yeah, Native American, how. You walk not as unwise. Men, but, sorry, (laughs) it's teenagers, but as wise men making the, like a T, most of, pay attention, that's an O and an F, obviously, your time because the days R, lowercase r, you get it? See it? Evil. <laughs> Ephesians 5, 15, and 16. All right? So let's do it together. 
be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise men making the most of your time because the days are evil. Great. Okay, thank you. Now you're all awake, you can sit down. What does it look like for Cornerstone going forward to be moving? The short answer is I honestly don't know. <laughs> From a practical standpoint, I would not want to get ahead of Pastor Peter and his work as the pastor of mission or of the pastoral team as they engage that question or in front of the elder team and the deacon team. I don't know what it looks like for us to be moving going forward. But there is one thing that I wanted to share with you about what I believe the Lord has in store for us. And this does relate to something that the Lord is doing right now. Recently, and this is where I may stray from the notes, but recently within Cornerstone and within our pastoral team and our eldership team, we have seen something break forth. And this thing that has broken forth is the thing that I believe that God is inviting all of us into as a body. Let's go back to Ephesians 4. That's good. It's like plaster falling. Let's pick up right where we left off, talking about the equipping of the saints. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I believe, Cornerstone, that in the future, God is calling us to a deeper place, a deeper universe, a deeper realm of speaking the truth in love to one another. Without going into detail over the last six months or so, the Holy Spirit has mediated some very difficult, hard, and painful discussions among and within the pastoral staff and the elder team. These discussions have addressed conflict, grudges, some going back months or even years, offenses felt and harbored, and at times these conversations may have even been offensive. They have been hard conversations, but Cornerstone, I want you to know that you should be exceedingly proud of your pastors and elders. They have put in the hard work of speaking the truth and love to one another. They, yeah, thank you. They, they have gone to these places of pain with respect and honor and care for one another and have done genuinely heroic work of loving one another. And I believe, as Ephesians says, that this is done so that it could pave the way for the greater family of God here at Cornerstone. Their work in speaking the truth and love to one another literally brought healing and I believe has literally helped to equip all of us to do the same with one another. Um, there's some defining characteristics of the world we live in right now and conflicts that this world generates. And I want to ask you, how many of you, in the privacy of your own lives, have had arguments with other people when you're completely alone. Whether you're in the car, whether you're in the shower, maybe on the tractor, in the office, you have detailed conversations with people that aren't there. And detailed arguments. How many of you ever lose those arguments? Right? I never lose those arguments. 
with our friends, our families, our coworkers, our classmates, our teachers, politicians. How many of you argued with a governor or a president in the past eight years? Yeah, won those too, didn't we? Um, we are all heroes in our own minds when we have these arguments, right? Our, our cause is always just. The other person's cause is always selfish. The other person's cause is unrooted in fact, ungrounded in reason. It's so dishonest that it falls apart as soon as it encounters the impeccable and unassailable position that we set forth. Yeah, and I'm the worst of it. Folks, this is incredibly dangerous because it invites conflict on our own minds and threatens to overcome the peace that we carry with ourselves. It also robs that other person of their freedom and agency to be who they really are. They, real people with real thoughts and real perspectives and real emotions of their own, are reduced to nothing but products of our own vain imaginations. It's not actually the other person that we are fighting, but some creation in our mind of who that person is. It quite literally dehumanizes them when we do this. It also robs them of peace by making them into enemies and combatants in a conflict they don't even know exists. This is evil when we do it to our enemies because Christ calls us to love our enemies. But it is even worse when those people are people that we love. Our friends, our family, our community. This is the thing, cornerstone, that splits marriages, that splits churches, and even divides nations. And I want you to hear this, that those offenses that we feel may be real. Those feelings that we have are genuine feelings. Those are real, and those are worth addressing. But what is not valid is us inventing a conflict and carrying it on in our own imaginations, allowing things that may or may not be true to devolve into things that absolutely are not true, turning another person into something that they are not based on something that we feel. It's just not okay, and we're all guilty of doing it, so what do we do? Church, I don't know if these seeds of division exist within us. I imagine that if we can find them on the staff team and the, past, and the, and the elder team, then they probably exist here as well. But I do believe that God is calling us to be a congregation that simply refuses to allow anger, grudges, offense, mistrust, misunderstanding, invented facts, vain imaginations, hurt feelings, and all of those things to inhabit and grow and fester within our family because these things lead to destruction and we have to be people that avoid that at all costs. We have to be people that chase after that and when we see it, we go after it and we make sure that this family of God will not be divided by those things. How do we do that? <laughs> yeah, speaking the truth in love. It's a lot easier to say than it is to do, but I believe that Ephesians gives us a roadmap. It's a practice that I am starting to find effective, and I want to share it with you. So first, in verse 25 of chapter 4, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. It's okay to be angry, Cornerstone, but you cannot let that turn into sin and hatred towards one another. Is it true what you want to say? If it's not, don't say it. Put away falsehood. 
Verse 32, be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Even if it's true, is what you want to say kind? And if it is not kind, don't say it or figure out another way to say it. And then in 5, 15, 16, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Is the conversation necessary? If it's not necessary, then maybe we should avoid it. But if it is necessary, if it might lead to destruction, then we better do it. The last thing to remember when we speak the truth in love, folks, is to remember that no matter what you say, the other person has a right to respond. And it may be uncomfortable, and it may be hard, but that is their right as people of God. As we anticipate what the Lord may be doing in us going forward, I invite us to have these difficult conversations with one another where they are necessary, where seeds of misunderstanding and hurt and resentment and division might lie. It's not an invitation, church, to just have it out or to invent some reason to go after somebody. That's not it at all. But where relationship is broken or where it's at risk of being broken, Cornerstone, we must seek healing. We don't have a choice. We have to be a people that refuse to let this fester. Maybe it's just to get to know one another better, to understand someone else's perspective on an issue that you may not understand, to understand that each person here is a whole human being with pain and hurt and ideas of our own. Cornerstone, I want to ask, what conversations have we been avoiding having? What fears have kept us from understanding one another? And what new doors of love might God open through his Holy Spirit in this family if we dare to try. It's scary, folks, and it's messy. But I want you to know that we're here to help as well. If you, if, if you think this is happening, come and talk to us. Maybe it's me. Maybe I did it. But we can do this journey together. We can love one another as Christ called us to do in his scripture. It's always good to have a mediator in these conversations because that's what Christ is for each one of us, a mediator. And, and the pastoral staff and the elders want to walk through you with this. We've got trained counselors that are able to walk through you with these things. So if this is something that is real in your hearts, banish it, get rid of it, and let us help do that so that we can be loving church Cornerstone, as we look forward, I think we can say that Cornerstone is called to love.